Today's episode of Socially Democratic is presented to you by Dunn Street. Over the past 12 months, Dunn Street has partnered with organisations across Australia and the globe to drain leaders, develop engagement strategies and empower people to organise for change. And in 2020, Dunn Street will continue to work with folks who want to make a difference, inspire hope and build communities from the ground up. So to find out how you can partner with Dunn Street, hit us up at dunnstreet.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Socially Democratic. My name is Stephen Donnelly and today's episode is recorded in conjunction with Australian Labor International. Uh, last week, Dunn Street partnered with ALI and returned to the Maldives to run a series of campaign and organising workshops with candidates and members of the Maldives Labor and Social Democratic Party, or the MS, sorry, the MLSDP. Uh, and while we're over there, we sat down uh, literally on the beach with Maruf Zakia, who's the Secretary of the Tourism Employees Association of the Maldives, uh, also known as TEAM, which is the Tourism Workers Union. Uh, and he's also the spokesperson for the Labor Party. Um, we spoke about the foundations of the union movement in the Maldives and how that led to the creation of the Labor Party a couple of years back. Um, in today's episode, we also spoke with a young, inspiring woman by the name of uh, Nashma, or Nash, who is an organiser for the Tourism Workers Union and is also on the executive of the Labor Party. And it was great to hear from Nash about what it's like growing up in the Maldives and what drew her into both political and workplace uh, activism. So a bit of a special podcast where we've got uh, two people on uh, talking a bit about what they're doing in their amazing country. Shout out to Trudy and Seb from ALP NatSec for organising the return mission to the Maldives. Uh, And also a special mention to my travel and training buddy Irene from the Labour Movement up in Queensland. Uh, Irene is a wealth of experience both as a trainer and as a leader from the union movement Uh, and it was great to share this amazing amazing mission uh, with her to the Maldives so thanks Irene. In terms of other episodes coming up we will have another US Democratic podcast next week uh, with Sam Schneiben following Tuesday's primaries in Ohio, Florida, Arizona and Illinois so we'll be breaking down those results and what that means for the next round of primaries and if there will be next round of primaries. Um, and also, as we t- start to turn our attention to the general, it'll be fascinating to see, following on from those results next Tuesday or Wednesday, Melbourne time or uh, Australia's coast time, uh, will Bernie continue? So I guess we're just going to have to uh, wait and see. Uh, in other news... Well done to the Northern Territory Labor Party for winning the Johnston by-election earlier this month. Uh, And also congrats to the Labor candidate, Joel Bowden. Um, AFL fans will know him as a former footy player for the Richmond Football Club. Um, Congratulations to Joel uh, on his election and joining the Gunner Labor government team in the Northern Territory Parliament. Uh, this was always going to be a tight contest for Labor. Um, Dunn Street was actually up there not long ago, uh, just before Christmas, doing some training with some of their activists. Um, and in the three months leading up to Election Day, the Community Action Network up in the Northern Territory recruited, trained and mobilised over 70 volunteers, um, which probably doesn't sound a lot to people down south, but that's actually quite a lot of people in the Northern Territory, particularly in the pop- with the population of Darwin and the size of their electorates. Um, and they made... 
over 4,000 calls and knocked on over 4,000 doors in the lead up to election day. And actually on election day, they knocked and called over 1,500 voters, um, which is an amazing effort because in the end, they hung on to the seat by only 166 votes. This was a incredibly tight margin. Um, and when these margins are so tight, this is what we call a field win because without those conversations on the doors and on the phones with highly persuadable, um, highly undecided voters, um, this is what you need to do to win in these tight contests. So well done to the team up there. Well done to the field organiser. Well done to uh, the candidate. Well done to the volunteers and volunteer leaders of the Community Action Network. Um, Very, very proud of your efforts um, and fantastic to... uh, maintain a Labor presence in the seat of Johnston um, and this bodes very well for um, Michael Gunner and his team as they get ready for their uh, election, uh, the territory election in uh, in uh, later this year, in August this year. So props to you guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher and if you're an Apple Podcast user, don't forget to leave us a rating and give us a review. And for all the updates about the Socially Democratic Podcast and everything else that's going on, both the US primaries um, and things that Dunstreet are up to, just follow us on uh, our various Dunstreet socials on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Okay, let's get to today's podcast. Okay, uh, we're taping this one on a Wednesday, I think, um, but I must admit I've never recorded a podcast uh, on the beach, so there's a first for everything, and the reason why we're doing that is I'm speaking to uh, the Se- General Secretary of the Tourism Employees Association of the Maldives, or otherwise known as TEAM, or the Tourism Workers Union of the Maldives, and the spokesperson for the Maldives Labor Party. Maruf, welcome to Socially Democratic. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be uh, to participate in this podcast, and uh, it's it also a great pleasure for us, for for Maldivian workers, to share something on on, on behalf of the workers. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, as I said in the uh, intro, we're, we're 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 on your home island of Kendu. Yes. Um, and we're sitting beside the beach. This is. I will never ever do a better podcast than this one right now. I can tell you. Um, but for the listeners back home in Australia and around the world who have never been to the Maldives before, um, I wonder if you can just sort of set the scene for what, what is the country of the Maldives? Because most people from outside of this um, beautiful um, island paradise would think of the resorts and all of those beautiful photos. But there's more to the Maldives than that. And I wonder if, um, Marie, if you could just sort of talk to us a bit about the Maldives that you know. And this is your home island. Yeah, Maldives is actually, uh, as you mentioned, uh, an island nation. Uh, across over the Indian Ocean, we have like um, 1,200 islands uh, across the country, across the Indian Oceans. And uh, we have islands are very much scattered and um, many, many, around 200 islands are populated, inhabited islands. Out of that, we have like um, 150 resorts, tourist resorts. as a luxury tourist uh, resorts. It's uh, it's very much uh, well known as one resort, one island concept. Mm. So you know, if you visit to Maldives, you may not see the real life of Maldives. You may see only those luxury niche, beautiful beaches and sand and uh, crystal clear lagoons mm. and all those resorts. You know. Yeah. 
but we have uh, 200, uh, 187 islands where these uh, inhabited lives with uh, very limited facilities, I can say so. Mm. Um, uh, also, we have our capital island where very much centralized all the health facilities, education, everything is congested there. So people are forced to migrate to Male, this capital island. So there are many, many social and economical problems faced to the locals, especially for the workers and for the working class. Um, yeah, this is paradise for the resort, uh, yeah. for the tourists, but this is no longer paradise for the local people, the local Maldivians, you know. Yeah. We have a long way to go. We have, uh, especially to get our equal share from this uh, big chunk of uh, profit yep. they're making from tourism, yeah. So, uh, a, the, the concept of uh, a liberal democracy is a reasonably new concept to the Maldives. You changed your constitution in 2008. Eight. Yeah. Uh, talk us through the, that kind of change that happened and, and what's transpired since then. Yeah, actually Maldives was ruled by a dictatorship for over 30 years. 30 years uh, in single single party uh, kind of uh, authoritarian regime and then 2008 with the pressure of international and also from internal uh, within the Maldives uh, they were forced to set up multi-party democracy so they allowed to establish uh, form um, um, political parties mm. but the political parties was also first registered in uh, in kind of association under the Association Act, where yeah. trade unions also registered in same Association Act even today. Yeah. But later on, they make a political party act. So since then, uh, we got the pressure from internal and outside, and it was f forced back then to make a new constitution. So then we got the uh, new constitution in 2008. The constitution basically is one of the good constitution, I can say so, yeah. in Asia region. Uh, many fundamental rights have been covered uh, under the Bill of Rights Act, uh, Bill of Rights from the Constitution. So, from that Constitution, people get freedom of speech, freedom of strike, freedom of uh, associations, and all these basic fundamental rights. And then we had our first uh, multi-party election, democratic election on 2008. And then one of the op opposition party at that time, the prominent party, MDP, got elected. And then... After uh, uh, in 2012, again it was outset by police mutiny, and it was kind of coup, and then people were again started to struggling to get those fundamental rights that they got from the constitution. Many changes to the law, the judiciary was uh, there was diverse views on judiciary. It was not independent, very much corrupted, fully controlled by the capitalist. You know this. This is uh, as I mentioned earlier that. Um, this is like multi-million dollar tourist industry, tourism uh, based economy we have. So it's very much capitalist. The entire wealth and everything is controlled by a handful of people mm. uh, and their families. So things are difficult, but it's, it's, it, it, we see that uh, there's a, some changes because of social media and people are more... Uh, into international community, people are outspoken, and then these changes we see that uh, people come out the roads and start striking. Yeah. Also, we also, as a tourism employees, we started our union uh, back in 2008, yeah, in, 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 in one of the resorts where we are working. The reason why we actually, f I mean, forced us to create that union or the association, because 
when the government passed first ever industry uh, employment act that act is very much focused on public service just to get some vote from the public service before the before the election of 2008 mm. but then this act was passed uh, the bill was passed by excluding all private sector workers rights you know the private sector workers and the tourism workers don't enter uh, does not entitle their leaves medical leaves maternity leaves their overtime um, all basic rights are being excluded that's the reason why we started our association yeah. and we group of workers from few resorts gathered and then we decided to run a petition yep and we were able to make um, 10000 plus signatures within the tourism industry in 100 days time yep and then we submitted that petition to the parliament and the president and also all relevant authorities and then we said we need to change the law uh, we need to uh, need to change the employment act and you need to amend before the election yep but the the former president said uh, he 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 promised us that he's going to amend the law after the election but we said uh, come on we cannot uh, trust you mm. uh, and we call for an industrial strike so 64 resort out of 80 resorts workers agreed to go for a strike before the election so we call for ele- uh, uh, call industrial strike on october 5th the, the election date was uh, Uh, on October 8th. Mm. So then the president again called us and then he said uh, he will have a special seating on the parliament while parliament was on recess. Right. Yeah, and then uh, they had a special seating on the parliament and they just gave to a law the act to us and said whatever you want just put it in the bill. Yeah. Uh, we were just very young at that time and then we were not very much aware of trade union rights and all those things yeah. and there was no history of trade union in the Maldives so we just included whatever we thought you know like service charge uh, overtime maternity and paternity leaves and yeah. all these things we included in the law yeah. so that is the reason why the workers in the private sector of the Maldives are enjoying those rights because yeah. of our struggle we fought at that time the um the tourism just give uh the viewers at home a sense of how big the tourism industry is for the Maldives and therefore how many people actually work in these luxury resorts and if you've ever been to these luxury resorts i think like the average nightly uh rate for some of the, the you know the, let's call it the basic luxury resorts is like 3 4 5000 a night this is incredibly wealthy people coming and staying here talk to us about um you know the 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 minimum the wages that you guys get the conditions that you guys were getting way way back in 2008 you know what was the challenge for last 10 years i can say so is the wages which we when we started at 2009 this work the wages remains at 200 250 or sometimes 100 for the cheap migrant workers yep. we have the huge issue of migrant workers migrant workers are marginalized here in the maldives yep. we have full of like half of the population is more than half of the populations we have uh, migrant workers working in the maldives so yep. as a result the tourism industry is also the majority workforce is filled with cheap migrant workers from bangladesh india you name it many many asian countries mm-hmm. and um, let's say we have um, around 50000 workers working in directly in the tourism industry in the resorts out of that around 20000s are locals 
and nearly 30,000 uh, uh, migrant uh, cheap laborers from different countries in South Asia, especially Bangladesh, India, Nepal, and Sri Lanka. Uh, yeah, it, also Philippines, we have a lot of workers nowadays. So the wage remains from the, 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 the human resource development is very weak in the Maldives. You can imagine tourism was started in 1972 here. Now we have reached in that area number one in the world. Maldives tourism is number one in the world. We have the most expensive, most luxurious, uh, most stunning resorts in uh, in the world. Mm. But the human resource, the, the the workers' rights remains unchanged as same as when it begins. You know. Yeah. So uh, that's the reason uh, we we we. This is also one of the reason that we need to raise workers' rights. We need to form unions. We need to empower the working class. We need to change this. Uh, politically, we need to empower the workers economically and socially. Yeah. So that's the reason why we have started fighting uh, for minimum wage. We had a petition again in 2015 and submitted to the previous government uh, requesting uh, demanding them to set a minimum wage of $600 uh, for a minimum wage for the tourism workers. Also, we have demanded to change the quota. Uh, to lo- to increase the locals I- in the industry because our entire economy is depending on tourism. Now, all other industries like fisheries and agriculture, which we have small portion of the economy, but those industries also are now very much attached to the tourism because of uh, huge uh, growth and uh, diverse of the tourism industry. But it's mm-hmm. really, really risky because you can see even today, because of this corona thing, you know, yeah. coronavirus, and it's it's outspread all over the world, and we don't know what happened, you know, if these things happen in Maldives, if we found some cases in Maldives, our industry will, you know, will definitely affect it. Mm. Uh, even today, we, we see some uh, declining and cancellation of bookings, according to, according to the authorities. Uh, over 12 to 14,000 bookings has been already cancelled because yeah. of this. Many flights have been cancelled, so country is very fragile however governments don't think to diverse this industry this economy into different you know different kind of uh, industries we, we it's it's really risky uh, but you know the third thing is the the money is not actually staying in the country the wealth does not distribute it equally to the people yeah. it's going outside uh, more than 70 70 resorts are multinational hotel chains in the Maldives, you know. Like sort of Hilton and Hyatt. Hilton, Sheraton, uh, all these multinational Marriott, you know. They are violating workers' rights here in the Maldives, but the money is not staying here, you know. They're taking all of, I mean, the beauty, they're selling the beauty, the beaches, the sea, Mm. the sun. But that's the sad thing, you know, the money doesn't stay here. And it's very small amount of money is being actually distributed to the people of the Maldives. Yep. You've had... um uh, you've had some moments in the early days of forming a union, uh, and for you know it's important to rem- remember that there didn't, there wasn't unions pre two thousand and eight. This is a very new thing, um, but you know you got arrested. Yeah. Um, there must have been a great deal of fear amongst the people, the tourism workers yeah. who you were seeking to organise at that time. Tell us about how you overcome challenges like getting locked up. Yeah, the, th- those issues still remain really fresh because we were being arrested uh, on 2008 and terminated and uh, we have lost our job because of forming the unions. And it was in 2008. 
You can see in 2014 we have some of our union leaders being sacked because of peaceful assembly. Mm. So 2008 we got the constitution with the right of peaceful assembly is a fundamental right. In 2014 workers been fired and arrested just because of peaceful assembly. Mm. So this is how the things are moving. And our cases when which I just mentioned uh, terminated in 2008, 2009, 2011, the union leaders who fought uh, to begin this union movement, those cases are still remaining in the judicial system, in the court system, yeah. 11 years, 10 years unresolved. Yeah. You know, many times Supreme Court has ruled to reinstate and back wages. Yeah. However, these or these court orders are not being enforced because of. this you know big influence of this capitalist and resort owners in the system because your judiciary isn't an independent judiciary it's effectively when there's a new government appointed they can put their people onto the judiciary is that right? is that is that right yeah every new government comes whenever they got parliament majority they just change the the entire judiciary you know recently also we see that uh, i mean we can't say that judiciary is very independent because um the judicial service commission which is the commission which who has the responsibility of oversight in the judiciary but the commission is kind of controlled by the ruling ruling government mm. whoever rules it you know so then the judiciary cannot be that independent you know they all they always have to you know they get influences there are you know many stories the judges has been judges have been bribed and they have taken money and many many cases uh, it's very common mm. common stories in the maldives you know people uh, don't trust no and the other problem is is the, the level of corruption in the political process as well i didn't actually realize until this trip that uh you uh the political parties can take foreign donations yeah um and so all the major political parties and uh excluding obviously the labor party are all center right parties and all are bankrolled by either property developers uh the tourism sector or foreign entities how do you navigate a political system that is already stacked against working people yeah that's the that's the biggest fear that we have you know all the political parties other than labor party is fully funded by these big businesses as you mentioned you know the resort owners the resort owners are paying to all the political parties you know <laughs> whoever in the ruling party they are in that party yeah. you know they are in support of and the, the other thing is some of the biggest tourism tycoons they have their own political party you know so they are third or fourth leading parties in the maldives you know they they run their own political party and every time because of the system we have here none of the political party can win any election without the support of these tycoons you know these these political parties so they always have kind of controlled you know you i think uh, there was a huge and very well known cases of corruption here uh, recently in during last government in the maldives there was some uh, al jazeera investigation also done uh, on those corruptions you know 1.2 billion dollar involved corruptions mm-hmm. around 53 islands were were sold in underground deals you know it money you know the 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 maldives monetary was actually embezzled you know yeah and a lot of money laundering was happened during last uh, regime uh, so the corruption is uh, you can see from uh, uh, international corruption index maldives was quite high 
So these things still cannot be addressed because of weak legal system, as you mentioned. You know, foreign foreign uh, parties can fund political system, and there is no you know uh, like working class movement, grassroots funding. These kind of things are very unfamiliar here. It's that's the reason why the Labour Party is really struggling to get fund from because people don't trust the system. Mm-hmm. So whenever even they, you know even our members feel that you know the political system and the, the the parties are corrupted, so they cannot you know raise the fund. You know it's difficult. However, we are running. It, it's it, I mean, proudly I can say that we Labour Party is running only with the fund and the the, the dues we get from our members and from the union supports till today. Yeah. So the what was the catalyst for uh, the leadership within unions like Team to form the Labor Party, which only formed uh, uh, late two thousand and eighteen or around that oh. time? What what drove uh, the leadership to say we need to start our own political party? Uh, during the course of our exp- uh, our uh, these last uh, couple of years of uh, experience in this union movement, uh, we have been travelled many parts of the world uh, to participate on labour conferences, you know, union trainings. Mm-hmm. We found that each and every country they have a political party who supports the trade unions, whether it's Labour Party, Social Democrat Party, or one of the left wing political party, always they are to support the labour uh, trade union movements which we don't have here in the Maldives, you know. We have been fighting for this for quite some time, like 10 years in the trade union movement. Uh, we were na- unable to change uh, most of the laws. The policies were not being changed. Things are getting v- v- bad to worst uh, in terms of tra- uh, workers' rights. So we, fo- we thought that that's a real, in, uh, real, really in need to fam- form a political movement to change this, you know. But... The, the, the difficult thing is always um, uh, there is the risk of who, how can we run the political party, mm. how can we get fund for the running a political system, political party, because the current legislation of the Maldives actually only the, the election uh, political party act says that any party who uh, who has over ten thousand members only will get uh, a support from the government budget. Mm. So it's only two, three political party has that much amount of uh, members in their party. So the it's also a clear indication it does not really support the multi-party democracy. You know, yeah. it uh, the the party really needs are the young parties, the small parties. Yeah. But there's no setup uh, for those political parties to get some funding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful backdrop there. Call to prayer right now. Um, talk us through. Uh, you ran. You ran candidates at the last national el- elections. Yeah. Um, uh, what were some of the successes that came out of it? What were the obvious challenges that came out of it? I just want to get a, get a sense of that, and then think about um, what were the key learnings as you get ready for local government elections, which are happening uh, later next month. Yeah, uh, we were. We, the party was registered just 2019 January. Yeah, and the, the general election was on April. Yeah, so we were just at the time of changing a new government, and uh, the politically uh, there was seven years of very difficult struggle with the people. So uh, we we have uh, we have uh, contested on ten seats. 
However, we did not uh, able to win any of those seats. Uh, yeah. Something we uh, learned from that was uh, just uh, running to any seat is not enough. We need to find caliber and good candidates yeah. and focusing on uh, possible areas, uh, especially people really who has the ideas and ideology of social democracy. Yeah. Not just anyone can promote these things yeah. if they don't have or they don't have real belief in yeah. social democracy. So that's yeah. something we found that. Uh, but we have seen some of the candidates we have endorsed during that election have won. Yeah. And we also get in support uh, from those candidates in terms of uh, submitting petitions and amendments and our proposals to the parliament. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, uh, myself... Uh, came over to the Maldives 12 months ago with yeah. um, Australian Labor International um, and we're back here again uh, this week to um, work with you guys on some training and talking, working with your leadership, your uh, party leadership. Um, how important is uh, external support to either the, the union movement here in the Maldives and also the Labor Party um, in developing your um, your power and your ability to organize to head towards these goals of you know getting people elected um, improving the wages and conditions of of your membership um, how important is this external support for you guys I think it's really really important for us uh, especially based on our experience when we formed the trade unions the team our organization back on 2009 and eight uh, we got some solidarity support from IUF and some of the international trade union movements. That was the reason, actually, we were able to survive till now, mm. you know, till we get these, you know, uh, to get our members to organize some of the hotels. So for the political party also, we believe it is it is new thing for us. Uh, Maldivian people are not joining or not belonging to any political party just by believing any any ideology, just because very much uh, they are following the political leaders, mm. uh, you know, whoever the leader says, they goes behind the, those those leaders. So, especially to build an ideological based political system, we need to have uh, experience. We need to get experience from the international community, especially. Uh, political party like Australian Labour Party who has a lot of uh, tremendous experience on social democracy and labour movement. Uh, so we are really glad and uh, to to work with Australian Labour Party. Also, the support we get is uh, really appreciated and uh, I don't think there's any other political party in the Maldives uh, other than ruling MDP get any they have some any other international affiliation with any 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 kind of political system any yep. party. Uh, so it's a good thing and a good achievement and also the working working people and the working class really accept that you know the support it's, it's a, one of the biggest uh, advantage or opportunity for us to grow and to sell also in our campaign and and in our promotional materials yeah. i want to pick up on that that point you said before that historically the political um, party system here in the Maldives is very much based on personality and sort of transactional politics and less on ideological yes. divides like left and right, even though the MDP um, 
may define themselves as centre-right party. Um, a lot of the things they say sometimes sound centre-left, but then their actions are clearly centre-right. Yeah. Um, but the way that they engage with the, the electorate, um, it seems that people vote for them just because they know someone or there's a fear of not voting for them or they're just perceived as the dominant political party. Um, h- how confident are you of introducing this idea of we're the Labor Party and we're the Labor Party because these are our values. Um, uh, um, because you're new, you don't have those established links. How are you going to overcome that particular challenge? First thing is we we believe that this movement, the Social Democratic Labor Party movement, is is not a sprint. We believe this is a marathon. So we are ready to take the challenge. Uh, we know it will take time because at the beginning for the other political parties to set up and to get these changes, it took decades. So for us, it's nothing, in, it's not a big, big, I mean, an issue for us yeah. to work and and to continue this, you know, this struggle to change this, uh, the way how people believe, uh, the way how working class believes and to convince the working working population because Maldives is a vast, I mean, the majority of voters are working population. Mm. So uh, we are very much confident. It, I mean, it will take time, but we will remain solid and we will remain and consist, consistently we will try to promote our values. And we, we the one, one, one other thing is we will not do any, we will try not to do any mistakes. We will... We will stick with the principles on what we believe and the values. We will we will not compromise those things. So I think in, if we continue the work like that, we will definitely be able to achieve our targets and overcome the challenges uh, ahead. Um, Maruf, we... Um on behalf of uh, myself personally and uh, um, Australian Labor International, um, we want to extend um, our thanks to you, um, your trade union, and also all of the uh, members and the executive of the Labor Party for welcoming us to your beautiful country uh, and indeed your own home island of Kendu uh, with um, open arms. We um, love coming here and doing training and partnering with you guys um, and we want to wish you the absolute best of success, not just for the upcoming elections in April, but in this ongoing journey, this marathon, yeah. uh, to um, represent and improve the, the livelihood of all of the people of Maldives. So best of luck. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's our great pleasure, you know, to work with Australian Labour Party and also getting this opportunity is uh, actually remarkable for us, for, for a, a small party like this. And uh, really appreciate it. And on behalf of our party and the union movement, uh, really thank you. And also the trainings and uh, techniques and supports we get is really, really effective and supportive. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, we are doing the second part of our Maldives uh, podcast and I am joined by a very inspiring uh, young woman who is the, um, one of the organisers for the Tourist Workers Union and she's also on the executive of the Maldives Labour and Social Democratic Party. Uh, Nashma, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, I'm uh Thank you for giving me this opportunity to participate in this program. Not a problem. Tell me about how you got involved in uh, working for the union and how did you get involved in being a member of the Labour Party? 
Well, actually, it's a kind of long story. We've got plenty actually. of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I studied law, actually, and uh, I got a job in a company yep. uh, where I did a legal works and administrative works. And uh, during the, while I was working in there, one of uh, a colleague of mine in a company, in the company, yep. uh, who is also a uh, part of the, uh, sorry, member of the uh, leader, sorry, Labour Labor Party. Party yeah. And um, he told me that uh, there are so many ongoing cases of em employment tribunal and uh, this would be a great opportunity for you to um, uh, join the union and plus the Labour Party. So I... Uh, I thought about that and I finally agreed to join the uh, the union. Yep. And after uh, coming back to the team, and I work there and uh, I work as an organizer. Mm -hmm. And plus, I handle uh, I'm, right now I'm handling the cases of em employment tribunal. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, while I was working there, they uh, told uh, they offered me to uh, join the. Labour Party. Yep. So, um, since uh, they are um, uh, fighting for labour rights, I thought, uh, and I'm really interested in uh, labour laws and rights, mm -hmm. that's why I um, agreed to enter the, uh, to participate in the leadership committee of the Labour Party. Yeah. That's how actually I entered into the Politics. Yeah. Okay. So, tell me a bit about um, your background. So, you, um, you, you grew. You didn't grow up in the main uh, capital island of Mali. You grew up somewhere else. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, so, tell us about your. Where did you, Where did you grow up? Actually, I. Uh, I uh, was in my island. Mm -hmm. uh, I completed a primary level in. My island, that's Gaftal uh, Tenato. Yep. And after completion of a uh, primary level of education, I came back to Male to have for higher education. Yep. And from here, I completed um, completed all level and also my degrees, diplomas, and everything. Yep. Why did you want to do a law degree? And is it easy for young people to go to university here in uh, the Maldives? Yes, it is easy, but actually, I think um, there is no career guidance. Because of that, uh, mostly uh, students or doesn't uh, don't know what to select, what to uh, actually uh, select for their career. Yeah. Mostly the uh, teaching, law, and nursing. These are the fields, mostly the common fields that are here, yeah. and uh, the, if they want to, uh, I mean, uh, to study any other uh, kind of field, any other field, they are not get, uh, getting that uh, the, that op opportunity from here. Yeah. And uh, they used to go uh, abroad, and they used to uh, get education from that. And also some of uh, some of people can go, others cannot, and they have to stay here and uh, uh, study the same uh, that uh, law or whatever the courses available here. Yeah. So that uh, that's why it's a kind of challenge that uh, facing for youngs now. Mm. They are not getting actually the proper career guidance and uh, 
like they are not getting the proper course from here. Okay. So growing up as a young person in the Maldives, you talked about, yeah, there's not very good career guidance for young people yes. about what they want to do. I think our education system has to set up some standards or some uh, kind of system, set up some kind of system uh, in order to... Uh, but youths uh, to yep. for this. I mean, uh, for young youngers. What would you like to see? Um, how would you like if you were in government? What okay. would you do to provide more opportunities for young people? I think um, we'll uh, if uh, if if the courses are not available here, we can actually talk to the governments, uh, government and authority and those who are actually handling all those uh, uh, areas, we can talk, we can discuss about that and uh, uh, discuss with the students who are actually, uh, who, I mean, to get the ideas, mm. what are the actual, uh, what are the fields that they are interested on. So uh, they can gather the information and they can uh, make the list of the uh, fields. What are the main uh, careers actually they focusing on? Yeah. So based on that, they can provide the courses in here so that they don't have to spend so much money to go abroad. And if they if there is a, if they have to go abroad, they can uh, provide loans to them. Now also they are providing, but uh, few are getting those. So we have to increase that even also. If not, we have to provide those courses and um, and educational, uh, educated people here to uh, deliver the uh, knowledge and uh, education to us. Do you think that young people in the Maldives have a voice in the um, political or democratic system here? Yes, uh, some of them have and some of them not. Hmm. Uh, um, I, we are expecting in our future that more young people uh, will talk about uh, the important things in uh, our system or our government. So they actually people are uh, there, there are changes I mean uh, young, uh, young people are uh, Talk, talk about the main things about the system, but uh, also there are some others still, but f f I mean, few are mm, delivering uh, the message to the uh, government or the authorities, and uh, mostly, most people don't. Yeah. Do you think that young people are happy with their lives in the Maldives? Are they happy with their opportunities? Because so many people have to come to Malay to get work. Um, do they want to do that? Would they rather stay on their, their, their own community islands? Actually, I don't think. Because uh, even um, to get education, we have to come here, to come Malay. I think if, if we get the proper education from the island, we would be staying here. So we, we won't be here, right? So if we get the opportunities, job opportunities from the island, we will stay there. Mm. We won't come here. So I think um, we are not completely happy. The youths or the youngs uh, are not completely happy with that because uh, of these kinds of situations. 
Um, you're uh, an island of, um, uh, sorry, a nation of many, many, many islands, and you're definitely, it's fair to say, you're definitely at risk with the problems around global warming and climate change um, yes. and rising sea levels. If it's going to impact anyone, it's certainly going to impact uh, the people that live in this um, beautiful tropical paradise. Is, um, for young people, um, is the environment as an issue, is it in the forefront of your minds? Like, it's so inspiring to see, like, uh, Greta Thunberg, the, the young student in Sweden, m- mobilise thousands of people around the world to take action. Yeah. What's, what, what kind of conversation is happening with young people here about the environment? Actually, all the, you know, that clim- uh, climate change is real and uh, it's affecting to our oldies. But very few people are actually willing to take the responsibilities to uh, to make a change. Mm. Others are not. So um, everyone now actually busy with their daily lives, and um, they're just uh, snoozing the actual threat, and uh, they're just living on. Mm. I, I'm sure that government, even they talk about. But actually, um, they uh, haven't taken much action to this uh, immediate threat. Is there an opportunity for young people to get organised around this issue? Do you think people, young people would be um, um, inspired enough to put pressure on the government to get them to do more in this area of addressing climate change? And what, and what could they do? What, what, what would you, if you were the government, what would you do initially to try and help protect the environment in this area? I think um, we'll have discussion about that. We'll uh, uh, arrange the programs and events, awareness programs and social, uh, through social media and through the events. And uh, we, uh, we'll deliver the message to the government even uh, so that... Uh, including the the current situation of the Maldives. Uh, I know they already know, but actually uh, it's good that uh, if we uh, give much more importance uh, uh, to uh, to make change uh, of this uh, situation. You're a young woman who's involved in politics. Um, okay. I want to know... Uh, you know, in Australia, f- for women who want to get involved in politics or in, in public life or in commerce, there are so many barriers that they have to overcome. And I don't think as a man I even see half of them. Tell me, are there barriers? There must be. What are those barriers that exist for, for you as a woman to participate in, in politics here in the Maldives? Actually, uh, very few women are here actively uh, participating in this politic. Yeah. Uh, maybe uh, because they are shy or me, uh, or, or they are actually parents uh, don't give permission to them to participate in the uh, politics. I don't know exactly what may be the reason, mm-hmm. but uh, there are people, the parents, they won't actually agree to uh, make their child to involved in the uh, politics. So uh, I'd say very few women uh, actually in this. But uh, we, we, uh, we are seeing the change. Uh, we, uh, the Most of the political parties now, there are some of the 
uh, women's and also uh, in this local council election most of the uh, uh, we, most of are the women uh, half half are the women so uh, we can uh, we are now seeing the changes right mm. so we are expecting to see better change in the future okay excellent and do you think was it easy for you to get involved in politics were you like did you have to overcome any challenges yourself or like did you did you ask your parents for permission to join the labor party honestly uh, i was uh, really shy before but uh, my parents and also the uh, leadership com- uh, members of the committee uh, labor party sorry labor party and uh, uh, unions of the team they actually uh, encouraged me uh, because they also uh, convinced me there are a few uh, members of women in the politics politics area so it's a good opportunity um, to come along with us and to participate in this politics so uh, i thought about that and i uh, and i finalized that actually that this would be a great opportunity and um, to go on Get involved. Getting involved, yeah. Who are your heroes? Who do you look up to? Who inspires you to, to, to do great things? Actually, I would say my parents. Uh, even uh, if they are uneducated, uh, they actually, from their experience, they used to uh, encourage me, uh, encourage us to study, to involve in the social matters. And so... I'd say my parents are the heroes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and my last question: okay. um, When will you and w- will you run for public office? Will you ever put your hand up and say that I'm going to uh, represent my community f- on behalf of the Labor Party? Is that something you're thinking about doing one day? I uh, haven't thought about that yet. <laughs> That's a very but diplomatic answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, right now, I'm v- very recently, I have joined the Labour Party yeah. and the politics. So right at the moment, I'm uh, focusing on uh, on developing the Labour Party. So maybe in future, I will. You won't rule it out. Maybe. That was a very good political answer. You're going to make an excellent politician because you didn't answer my question. Uh, Nash, I thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Um, I think that uh, you're an inspiring uh, young uh, social democrat. um, And if the Labor Party here in the Maldives have as many people such as you, then the future is very, very bright for the social democratic movement here in the Maldives. And we wish you um, and the rest of your team the best of success for the very uh, future. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving this opportunity.